That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We saw freedom in our very way of life in so many other jurisdictions in this country wither on the vine. Florida held the line. And with those remarks, last night, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida announced his victory by more than, well, almost 20 points, a million and a half votes in a state where four years ago he barely won after a recount and 32,000 votes of a margin. And shortly thereafter, we also heard from his opponent, another former governor, Charlie Crist, who had been in the Congress for several years. He also ran as a Democrat against him. And in his speech last night, he said this. First and foremost, I want to give a good congratulations to Governor DeSantis on his re-election, um, that's okay. That's okay. It may not be the ringing endorsement of a defeated opponent that you might hope for if you were the other side, but it's a concession. It's an important concession. Even though the race was not close in the end, the losing side said, you won. And it might make you wonder, if you ever think about it, why do candidates do concession speeches? I mean, there's certainly nothing legally binding about them. They don't have to give them. It's not the kind of thing that if you don't do it, you can never run for office again. Nevertheless, I really appreciate the fact that Charlie Crist and so many other candidates who lost yesterday performed the two basic rituals of an election aftermath, which is you call the other candidate and you tell them, I concede you won, congratulations, and you publicly tell it to your supporters, just like Charlie Chris did last night. But why? I mean, why does that matter so much, since it's not something you're obligated to do? Well, the answer is relatively complicated. On the one hand, it's just good sportsmanship. Like thousands of baseball games and football games around the nation and other sports as well, whether it's kids or adults in recreational leagues, what happens afterwards? You all line up and you shake hands and you high five and you congratulate each other and you say good game regardless of who won. Why? Well, again, good sportsmanship. But elections, as we talked about the other day, are not really sport. I mean, they're proxy for war. This is serious stuff. And of course, you have somebody who might be a bad sport, doesn't really want to do that. They feel like they should have been a different outcome, or the referees were biased, or they didn't have a good time or whatever. And we tell those people, no, no, you also need to go shake hands because that's what it means to play the sport. But of course, that's just a game. And though I believe in the value of sports, I recognize that sport doesn't really matter for anything. It's something that we do to entertain ourselves and to have physical activity. And at the end of the day, it really is just a game. Whereas politics and elections matter. Who's going to wield the authority? Who's going to make the decisions? Who's going to take the money, spend the money, order the troops around? You know, that kind of stuff hangs on these decisions. And that's exactly why it's even more important to have the concession when it comes from a political candidate than when it comes from a sporting opponent. And the reason it matters more in politics than it does in sports is precisely because politics matters more than sports. See, once you understand that voting in democracy and elections are proxy warfare, you realize that we're really trying to avoid major conflict between competing sides in a society. And elections are our way of running that disagreement. And so when you concede after having lost the contest, what you're really saying is, 
I entered into this agreement, this deal, this process. I'm going to go talk to people. You're going to go talk to people. We're going to put up signs, buy ads, write our opinion pieces, get staff to try to work on our behalf. And in the end, people are going to go mark a little teeny oval on an oversized piece of paper, and we're going to count those results, and one of us is going to be in charge, and the other one isn't. And part of the premise of engaging in that process is the willingness in advance to say, I'm going to resolve this conflict this way, and whichever way it turns out, I'm willing to live with those consequences. I'm not running this campaign because I need to be in charge. I'm running this campaign because the people should be in charge. And whomever they pick, even if it's a terrible pick, it's a dumb pick, it's a pick that can't be justified with logic and evidence, it's still representative democracy. It's whomever the people pick is going to run things for the time being. And so the concession speech is a signal, a reaffirmation, a repeating of the vows, if you will. It's a way of saying, we had this contest. We both participated in this contest. I didn't win. That person's in charge now. But see, here's the thing. In public, obviously, that's important to reaffirm the process of democracy that elections are supposed to represent and believe in. But what about the private phone call? Why do you need to do that? Well, the answer is you don't need to, but it says something about you if you won't. Because see, when you make the private phone call, obviously you're only talking to that one other person. But what does conceding to your opponent in private over a phone call symbolize? What does it accomplish? It ends the contest. And it ends the contest in the most civil of all possible ways by saying, congratulations, we did this thing and you won. You are now my representative, senator, president, governor, whatever the case may be. But it's more than that. Because obviously, in order to go through all the difficulty of running an election, you have to really care. You have to believe. You have to be confident that you will do the best job if you're elected. Your opponent will not do the best job. But it's not up to you to decide that. Nor is it up to them to decide that. It's up to the electorate. It's up to the voters, the constituents. And so making a concession phone call is a way of reaffirming that you weren't in this for your personal success and achievement. You were in this in order to give the people whatever choice they wanted to make. And so when you concede to your opponent in the phone call, what you're really saying is, hey, I gave the people a choice. They made the choice. Now it's you. And I'm glad we gave the people the ability to pick. I was running to serve them. I trust that you were running to serve them. And in the end, they got to pick the person that they think will serve them the best. The end, a win. In other words, regardless of who individually loses, the process wins. And on the flip side, if you won't make that phone call because ego or hurt feelings or bitterness, whatever the case may be, gets in the way, what you're really saying is that you were in it for you. You were in it for maybe your cause or your ideology, but you were in it for you, not for the constituents, not for the people, not for the electorate. Because even if you believe the people have made a mistake in picking the other person, and certainly every candidate believes that, you have to take great comfort in the idea that having the people pick is the whole ball game. That's what democracy is. And in the end, it really is about them and not about you. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to The Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.